Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Rochester Today. I'm Andy Brownell and it's Tuesday. <laughs> Tom Ostrom's here. T.O. in the house. Hey, Tom, how you doing? <laughs> T.O. in the house. <laughs> <laughs> as well as AB in the house. Yeah, I guess so. Nice to see you. <laughs> so what's in the mailbag today as we... <laughs> the Babylon Bee. Regular routine of starting out with a mailbag. Yep, a little bit of humor that we need today. The Babylon Bee satire has headlines of the events of the day. <laughs> Here's one. Biden says the economy is as vibrant and healthy as he is. Oh. <laughs> and then another one from the B. A study shows that kids who are homeschooled could miss out on the opportunity to become transgender communists. <laughs> oh, I read one of the swimming associations is cracking down on transgender males uh, swimming in meets. I guess they're going to form a another league or something for them. I didn't master oh, well, details. I read the article. On that. I read the article and it is true. I can't remember exactly which association it is, but um, they have never had a transgender athlete. So this would be a preemptive move. Um, but they're talking, they're talking about forming like an open class racing where there would be no restrictions and who knows that's, mm -hmm. that uh, yeah i just saw that the other day in the news so but uh, it was mentioned in the article that even though they have enacted this policy this particular group has never had a transgender athlete so yeah why why now i don't know yeah and i don't have the details in front of me but it's interesting too the uh uh, that that Italian that that Australian golfer Greg somebody uh, some uh, professional golfers are going into the Saudi league where they get a lot more money, and the professional golf association is furious about it and said that they will be expelled from the PGA if they do that. Um, well, they're doing it anyway. And, and one golfer said, uh, this is for our opportunity for more golf and for more money. And the people in the league uh, who don't want us to are absolute hypocrites because some of them own businesses that do business with Saudi Arabia. So a little bit of friction in the golf world, Andrew. Wow. I was unaware of the yeah. trying to follow a lot of sports. Golf is not one of them. Uh huh. And for that matter, swimming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, for me, it's soccer. I don't. Uh, follow. Yeah, I guess I, when it's the World Cup, I'll kind of pay a little bit of attention, but not a lot. More Babylon Bee. The San Francisco mayor happily reports that there's less human poop on the city streets now due to the food shortage. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh god, the irreverent bee. Uh, this from Wayne. The American people don't realize the first time in American history that a minority party leader was not permitted to appoint members to the select January 6th committee. This is a political witch hunt. Uh, and the reason the Democrats are doing it, they know that uh, if they ran the trial properly, uh, 
there would be defense attorneys, there would be counter uh, 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 evidence. Uh, uh, but uh, Kevin McCarthy, had he been allowed to appoint members of the committee, they would have had subpoena powers themselves to call upon countervailing witnesses. And uh, this will have no impact on the November election. I think the public is seeing that and Democrats are running scared their last attempt to keep Trump off the next ballot. Um, I think it might have an impact on the next elections in the case of Liz Cheney. This is kind of a, I don't know, a last stand for her. Being an enthusiastic member of this committee, she has staked out a position that may prove uh, her demise, at least in front of the uh, the voters. Mm-hmm. I, I have no way of predicting that, but uh, considering that she represents Wyoming and Wyoming has traditionally been a very red state. Um, I don't know. And her female primary opponent uh, right now enjoys a 30-point uh, uh, lead over, over Cheney. So her career might be ending. Yeah. And then uh, one more mailbag. Um, this from Cato. You know, Attorney General Merrick Garland, we've talked about his selective and political uh, prosecutions and uh, actions, uh, my words. Uh, it is against federal law for these demonstrators to be outside Supreme Court Justice Holmes. Garland's doing nothing about it, not not even after the uh, attempted assassination on one of the justices. And so Cato is watching all that. And he recalls when uh, then Senate Majority Leader McConnell blocked the appointment of Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. Obama wanted him on the Supreme Court. And Cato says this, thank God Merrick Garland was not appointed to the Supreme Court. Uh, we should be thankful for that. <laughs> so that's the mailbag. Okay, that's the mailbag. Well, thanks for those who sent things in to Tom to be included in the mailbag. And, uh, well, we'll come back in just a moment with more Tom Ostrom. It's Rochester Today. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester Today on a Tuesday. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is where we usually cover things a little closer to home. Tom. Um, Governor Tim Walz uh, going on the offensive regarding the lack of any real uh, decisions or bills coming out of the legislative session and his now desire to have a special session to deal with, ironically, tax cuts, uh, seeing as the election season is getting into full swing, our governor is on the forefront pushing what uh, the media and uh, his campaign as well have dubbed the, the walls checks. And originally it was a much more modest proposal, but now he's called over the weekend. He called for a special session to uh, pass a bill that would create a $2,000 tax rebate for households and $1,000 for individuals using the money from the, projected surplus and chiding the Republicans for not agreeing to have a special session. 
Well, it is the governor under the state constitution who has the lone authority to call a special session. Mm -hmm. He's the only person who can do it. He could call a special session regardless if he had to deal with the Republicans or not. But this, yeah, regardless, my point is Bill Warner from the Minnesota News Network will be joining me on Friday to try to sort out this big mess <laughs> and oh, offer wow. some perspective about what's what's happening in St. Paul in the aftermath of the regular session and all the uh, machinations taking place as we head towards November and the various positions the two sides are staking out. So be sure to tune in Friday morning. We'll have a, a pretty good, Bill's pretty good at uh, giving you a very fair assessment of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I read on the KROC website uh, that the Minnesota surplus from tax revenues is even greater than it had been positively anticipated previously. So uh, you know the details on that better than I do, but uh, a lot of uh, interesting politics will come from all that. And interestingly, Tom, when that uh, story was posted over the weekend, that uh, tax revenues were another half a billion dollars higher than anticipated for the month of May. Um, a lot of the comments on the various Facebook pages and websites to that story were um, actually quite a bit of frustration, I would gather, of, you know, give the money back. Why are we being overtaxed? Mm -hmm. How can this be? How can you have a $10 billion surplus? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so the, between crime, the economy, and that, deficit or that surplus i call it a deficit i can't believe that floating out there i think that pretty much defines what this next election season is going to be about as far as statewide offices are concerned yes because democrats and republicans have their political and ideological priorities uh, on different lists so it's always a battle always and we have the only divided legislature in the entire land so it makes it even more complex that's amazing. Uh, this from the Daily Caller, Caller, C-A-L-L-E-R, Gabe Kaminsky. Uh, he has a detailed uh, article on how the squad, the Democrat uh, women that run Congress or try to, including uh, our representative uh, Omar and Tlaib and others, um, that the squad Democrats are spending thousands of dollars uh, on airfares uh, and defund the police movements. Uh, they demand a Green New Deal, but they do plenty of traveling and plenty of air travel. Uh, uh, those figures have been released. And uh, uh, so uh, some people say there's, they're a little bit hypocritical. But I would also point out, I, I saw, I don't think that's where I saw the numbers. I saw them somewhere else on the interwebs. To be honest, the numbers were relatively modest. At least in my viewpoint, um, they weren't in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. They were in the, I think the highest one I saw was maybe $13,000. And most of them were more in the five, three to $5,000 range. With the way airfares are today, that's a couple round trips to yeah. some locations. So, I mean, I understand you could criticize them for that because if if you really were to be that frightened of the earth ending due to the ongoing environmental crisis, you contributing that flight to wherever you were going 
mm-hmm. would you'd think that would rack your conscience pretty severely. So I understand that part. But the numbers were they're right. not huge numbers. They're not huge. But also the evidence of the uh, air pollution that airlines do, I would think if they're concerned with the Green New Deal, uh, uh, they would be a little bit conscious of that. Or, of course, how else are they going to travel? But uh, <laughs> in the meantime, uh, in a gas guzzling motorhome, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Scott Jensen, the Republican gubernatorial candidate, um, has called for the reforms to the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice uh, because they have been investigating him, threatening to take his medical license uh, away. Uh, He hasn't been vaxxed and he has given his patients Invermectin. And so they're still working to try to take his license away for that. But that Invermectin, Ivermectin, I guess it's called, uh, some doctors have sworn by it and say they protected their patients and I heard one doctor on Fox saying they protected my father. And so anyway, uh, uh, Scott Jensen says, I'm going to look at that board and I'm going to see what some appointments are made. They've been after me for years trying to take my license away. Uh, They shouldn't be politicized and punish physicians who disagree with them. So I'm going to try to do something about that when I'm governor. And of course, Democrats are after him for threatening and politicizing and uh, threatening to punish uh, uh, officials who disagree with him. Well, those officials are trying to punish him, and Jensen's tired of it. He said it impacted on my career, and they're still holding uh, a sword over my head, trying to trying to ruin my career and my reputation. And he said, "I'm going to try to do something about that." It'll be interesting to see how that plays with the voters. I, I don't think it'll have. I know the newspapers and. Other outlets were making a big deal out of some recording that he was caught making those statements at some sort of political event. And I saw a lot on the Twitterdom and other social media. Uh, I, once again, I think it just plays to those those who would be outraged that he said those sort of things. We're never going to vote for Dr. Jensen in the first place. And those right. who would likely vote for Dr. Jensen would probably cheer him on saying those sort of things so it's right. zero impact right. right but any democrat that complains about the other side punishing their opponents is an absolute hypocrite the democrats have been very good at punishing banning uh uh putting in prison uh, uh humiliating uh anybody that disagrees with them they're really good at that so that they think uh, retaliation is unfair I find that humorous. On the the ivermectin front, there was a completion of a large-scale study that was reported last week that did not find any evidence of real um, um, benefit as far as the COVID battle is concerned, but it did say further study is warranted. So Mm -hmm. it's ongoing. If they didn't find benefit, did they find damage? I did not, I'm going to, full disclosure, I didn't read enough into it because I was busy reading other things and I I was kind of in the trash heap of history for me, the ivermectin fight. So I didn't pay that close of attention to it. Okay. Alpha News, Rose Williams. The Supreme Court of Minnesota ruled that a restaurant's lawsuit against Waltz was wrongfully dismissed 
by the lower courts. A 2020 lawsuit against the governor's shutdowns remains alive after the Minnesota Supreme Court sided with a restaurant owner. Uh, they heard uh, 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 Mr. Buzzle's case. They sent it back to a, dis uh, a district court and they said they were wrong to have dismissed the case. And uh, Mr. Buzzell uh, owns several successful restaurants that were shut down by Tim Waltz's executive orders. And uh, he, he says the governor commandeered his property without due process of law. And he lost in one restaurant 94% of its revenues. And, uh, uh, and so that's going to be back uh, in the docket now. And uh, the Supreme Court said the district court needs to look at whether the government took physical control of property and whether the owners were pre prevented from exercising control, legitimate lawful control over the property. So his attorneys say uh, this is a huge win. And one restaurant owner was arrested and spent 90 days in jail for violating Waltz's executive order. So um, the, the COVID shutdown controversies go on, Andrew. It will go on. It's uh, How long has it taken for this case to get to the Supreme Court? Almost two years. Yeah. And now it's still got to go to a lower court. And whatever that lower court does may or may not be appealed again. Mm -hmm. So it goes on. <laughs> right. Uh, do we have time for another item, or is that? Yeah, we do. I, I was just going to say these decisions, though, are really key decisions for the courts to wade through because they will define the authority of the governor of the executive branch for years and years to come under these emergency orders. What what powers does it actually give the governor of the state of Minnesota? Um, this governor exercised broad authority, uh, unprecedented authority under his state of emergency due to the pandemic. And how these court rulings play out will affect us long into the future. Mm -hmm. Number one, what constitutes an emergency? And number two, what powers, what limitations of power does a governor face? Mm -hmm. So people should be paying attention to this. Sure. Uh, Kim Crockett uh, is is the Republican candidate, the endorsed candidate to become Secretary of State in Minnesota, and the Secretary of State uh, administers elections. And uh, she said Minnesota is long overdue for overhaul of its election laws and how they are defined and how they are enforced. And uh, I intend to be on top of this and cure some of the problems that has made voters lose faith in the fairness of the election process. And I give Minnesota right now and its Secretary of State a D grade for how they handled the last uh, big election. And uh, they haven't practiced uh, 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 effectively uh, that. We should have voter identification. We have to watch out for the mail-in ballots. And, and this, Andy, surprised me. She used as her rationale the conservative intellectual uh, heritage foundation that provides election integrity scorecards for the whole nation. And they ranked Minnesota as very problematic in its policies that ranks in their view 34th out of 50 states in problematic election processes. Uh, uh, a lack of access for election observers no restrictions on same-day registration, 
uh, few efforts to prevent non-citizen voting and a system whereby anybody can vote under any name or address as long as somebody else attests to their identity. These are weaknesses, he said, and this uh, affects the voter faith in the system and in the integrity of the process. And uh, I want Minnesota's ranking to improve. So more, more analysis of elections coming up. And that race is complicated because she's the endorsed candidate to run against Ellison. But that Doug is at Wardlow. Uh-huh. Um, he mounted a primary challenge. So we'll sure. mm-hmm. see what happens there. And Wardlow and Crockett are running on similar campaign issues, but Wardlow has more of a, I don't know even how to describe, a different demeanor, maybe might be the best way to put it. The election season is here. Minnesota News, <laughs> of course, will follow all of it as we move forward through the summer. Tom Ostrom is here, and I'm Andy Brownell. We will return right after the news break. For more Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hi, I'm James Raby for Livia Way Control. Today, Tuesday with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. Tom, what's next on the topics list? Well, you and I talked about dress codes and uh, the efficacy of it, necessity of it, the rights of schools to have them and the challenges when they do. And here's more information on that. Um, a North Carolina charter school. As a female principal and vice principal, and they have decreed that its female students should wear skirts, not slacks, not shorts. It's a private school, charter school, I'm saying. Uh, that's what they should do, uh, wear skirts. And uh, so they've been challenged uh, by an appeals court, the Fourth District Court of Appeals. Uh, has challenged them and said that rule is unconstitutional. It's rooted in unconstitutional gender stereotypes, and uh, and the school should be sued as one parent wanted wanted to uh, for that rule. And uh, one of the judges said the skirt and a female judge the skirts requirement perpetuates harmful gender stereotypes, and uh, and uh, it's. Uh, it's unconstitutional. And the charter school is in Leland, North Carolina. It serves uh, K through eight students. The curriculum is classic and traditional with great books and other things. And uh, and the administrators insist that the terms ma'am and sir are expected to be used uh, for good manage, uh, manners. And so uh, a parent sued the school and uh, uh, liberal justice uh, went along with the parent and the, one of the uh, judges and, and one of the judges, uh, Keenan is her name, wrote a concurrence and said that this school has antediluvian views, antediluvian views, which means ancient, uh, uh, well. biblical, old fashioned, narrow views. Uh, I would think a school should have every right to have those rules, <laughs> but uh, this judge says no. Supreme Court's already settled this one, Tom. Settled it a long time ago. Um, this was back in the 1970s. But schools, public schools and charter schools are public schools because they receive public funding. Mm-hmm. Um, can't enforce gender-based dress codes. And it was exactly this issue back in the 70s. The skirts versus what girls wanting to wear pants and 
yeah, they the school has no chance of succeeding in this at all. <laughs> I, I would hope that ruling could be challenged. Just, uh, courts change their opinions over time, uh, and and you would think that uh, this is worthy of, of notice. Um, what's wrong with modesty? You know, why is that a uh, it's a it's it's a it's a shot at morality, and other people say it's immoral to have such a rule. Um, I, I would think well, dress codes go with behavior, and and you know the private schools have strict rules, and and they have less behavior problems, less discipline problems. But time you could require the students to wear nice clothing that is respectable but it can't be based upon their gender because you can't force the girls to wear skirts. Well, there's no gender anymore. How do you define gender? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't think they have a snowball's chance of winning. Let's put it that way. Well, they do if they go to the right court or have the right justice. Uh, I don't know. that. I, I think this one's pretty settled law, Tom, for many, many decades. What else do you have going on here? Oh, well, um, this is absolutely amazing. Uh, this came from John Solomon, just the news. Uh, Capitol Police arrested seven people tied to comedian Colbert's uh, staff for unlawful entry. Um, and and uh, the incident occurred uh, in the shadows of the January 6 hearings. Uh, Capitol Police found uh, uh, staff members of that comedian uh, inside uh, the Capitol where they aren't supposed to be and they were expelled from the Capitol, but they sneaked back in at night and they were harassing Republican uh, office uh, holders. And so uh, they were arrested for unlawful entry. And uh, the, the Republicans want to look into that. They think it's absolute hypocrisy. Uh, Congressman Schiff evidently was the one that let them in. I don't know how that man could be that stupid with the January 6 hearings going on about just such a matter that he should breach the Capitol security system for politics and this comedian and his staff should be able to go in there and harass Republicans and then make a program out of it. But the Capitol Police arrested them for unlawful entry. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll see it affects the January 6 hearings. I did not hear about that. That's uh, that's interesting because the charge you mentioned is one of the charges that was applied to a lot of the people who were seen wandering the halls of the U.S. Capitol yeah, right. on January 6th. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there were some that were charged with much more serious crimes than that. But a lot of the people who were in there wandering aimlessly that you saw on the video cameras, that's the charge that they faced. Sure. Oh, goodness. And, and the January 6th committee is being roasted. We've talked about this before for neglecting uh, or for not covering the negligence of the Capitol Police and the mistakes they made. In the, but one Capitol chief said, we got plenty of warnings of the dangers a week before uh, this electoral count. And we were warned plenty. And we asked for National Guard help. And we asked for state police help. And, and uh, Pelosi ignored it. So, But that side's not being uh, covered very well. But... Um, uh, that's the other side. Pelosi, in other words, has some responsibility for what wasn't done. And I was, uh, was going to say the time there was, I think he might get a kick out of this because this is what our old friend Joe Souchere would have referred to as windmilling. <laughs> YouTube has banned one of the videos that was put up by the January 6th panel of the coverage of the hearing 
because it shows a clip of former President Trump uh, basically dismissing the outcome of the 2020 elections. Mm-hmm. And because YouTube has declared mm-hmm. that to be false information, the inclusion of that false information in the January 6th hearing requires YouTube to remove it from their website. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that something? Convoluted. And it just shows the nonsense of that type of policy in the first place where you have an entity deciding what is prohibited information. Uh, And the other aspect, I read a really nice editorial concerning the January 6th hearings that was pointing out that once again, because of the very partisan nature of these hearings, it misses the point entirely. And the entire point should be the hearing should be on the overall issue of political violence in this country. Uh, this Not this one specific incident and very serious incident of political violence, but the growing political violence that has been occurring. And it brought up all sorts of examples of things that have happened by leftist militants and rightist militants that we should all be worried about and basically call this a missed opportunity to have a great discussion in this land about what's happening out there. But it seems as if in this case, the Democrats, as you have pointed out, like to ignore the political violence by groups that expouse some of the same ideology as Democrats and the Republicans oftentimes look the other way when uh, organizations that are more aligned with them mm-hmm. do misdeeds. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. it was a great article. I thought they yep. did a great job. The circle goes around. Yep. That was a dumb statement I just made. I sound like the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to cover nationally before we move on to international news? Congressman Jim Gordon, who Pelosi kept off the January 6th committee because he's a formidable interrogator. Uh, Now he has information that the FBI is purging agents with conservative views and agents that were uh, that are critical of the January 6th hearings. According to House Judiciary Committee Republicans, multiple former FBI officials have suggested that the bureau is purging employees agents with conservative views. And Congressman Jordan, uh, a ranking member on the House Judiciary Committee, sent a letter to Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, detailing whistleblower allegations, and he wants them answered. Uh, In one example, the FBI targeted and suspended the security clearance uh, of an agent who disclosed personal views that the FBI was not being forthcoming about the events of January 6th. And they had um, uh, agents in the crowd egging them on uh, and uh, and uh, so he's been punished uh, and another whistleblower said that the FBI uh, agents are re- are facing retaliation uh, when they make when they have any criticism of, of FBI politics as they say it in decision making and Jordan told uh, Laura Ingram on Fox News that in total uh, FBI officials are approaching the committee, not just on January 6 matters, but uh, on the politicization of the bureau. Uh, those that are active agents, of course, would be fired, but some former agents are stepping forward too. 
uh, and he said, we have multiple whistleblowers that are tired of uh, FBI politicization and they're stepping forward. If Republicans take over, I'm, I would think Ray would be uh, replaced and the bureau reformed. But uh, politics everywhere, Andrew. Imagine that. But with Ray, he's appointed. I mean, you'd have to be fired by the president. Yeah. Yeah. So right. you'd have to wait until the 2024 elections for that. You would, but I, I think uh, if Republicans take over Congress and the Senate and committees, they could uh, they could uh, expose Ray or put a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, they could make it very uncomfortable for him, that's for yeah. sure. Sure. All right. We'll take another quick break and we'll come back. <laughs> More of Rochester today. It's Tuesday with Tom Ostrom. T.O. Back in a moment. <laughs> News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Day with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning, everyone. Rochester Today continues on this Tuesday morning. Tom Ostrom, I mentioned international news was coming up next, so I guess I'm going to look to you for international news. Well, the Pope again surprised me. Um, he agrees with uh, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul that NATO expansion uh, was a key catalyst for Putin's declaring war and invading the Ukraine. This from the Washington Examiner. Um, uh, Senator Rand Paul received unexpected company last week in citing NATO expansion that State Department officials had been warning about that it shouldn't take place in several administrations because it would antagonize Russia with its historical geography and, and interest. And so uh, Rand Paul received company from the Pope who echoed Paul's uh, earlier sentiment that NATO played a significant role in provoking Russia and, and share some of the blame for the war. Uh, the pontiff said Russia's invasion was somehow either provoked or not prevented by NATO politics. And then the Pope said, now some will say that you are pro-Putin. The Pope said, no, I'm not. It would be simplistic and wrong to say that. I'm simply reducing complexity to the distinction between good guys and bad guys without reasoning. And uh, the idea that eastward expansion of NATO recruiting former Soviet republics would antagonize uh, Russia uh, should not have been controversial. And Biden's CIA director, William Burns, had said years ago that that would be dangerous and that that shouldn't be done. Uh, and he was placed, he was in the U.S. Embassy in Moscow in 1995 when he said that. So people are kind of getting tired of that war and hoping negotiation takes place and that Russia and Ukraine are put back in the family of nations uh, as the war continues. Okay, so what Rand Paul and the Pope are referring to are actions that have already occurred. The addition of the former East Bloc nations to NATO that occurred following the fall of the Iron Curtain. Right, and the push to put Ukraine in NATO. Yeah, but I, there really wasn't a push other than by some Ukrainians to do it. Of course, there were some on this side as well, but there wasn't really a... I don't even know if there's a formal push now. I know there's a formal push to include uh, Ukraine in the EU in response to what's happened well, with Zelensky, the invasion by the Russians. 
Zelensky has said that he is willing to forego uh, Ukrainian membership in NATO. I thought there was a lot of talk about that. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about it, but uh, there, I, I had never really heard the United States or any major members of NATO actually pushing for Ukraine's membership. And now, <laughs> as we've pointed out before, now it may actually occur. And then you have Sweden and Finland uh, very likely joining well, I NATO. I don't think it will occur with Ukraine, but you're right, it'll occur with Finland and and Sweden, but uh, but Ukraine was considering it, and NATO was welcoming it, uh, as some people say. And the Pope thought that a lot of people warned about that propensity, however serious it was, well, and however clear it was. Um, and that's what Putin said. He invaded the Ukraine to to, to thwart, although he also wants to reestablish the Soviet Union. But I could argue as well that. Putin used that as a an excuse because I don't think that I don't think those discussions of Ukraine joining NATO were too um, were too serious. Let's put it that way. Because Zelensky is now saying I will take that off the table. That issue, I will not pursue that membership. Uh, I will promise Putin that because he, he wants would, the yeah. And see, I once again, this is you're, we're boiling down real complex issues here that. I would say Zelensky was promoting membership in NATO as a way of protecting his nation from the pending invasion by Ukraine. Uh, but I don't think the United States or anybody else, Germany, France, or Great Britain was seriously considering bringing Ukraine in. So I think for Putin to well, use that as his excuse of invasion, I think was a red stores. herring. Well, it was discussed enough that uh, yeah, well, it could be a possibility. But anyway, that's what's going on. And those two political religious figures uh, oh, thought yeah, that. And then two U.S. citizens that went to fight in the Ukraine were captured by Russian troops. And now the State Department's involved and the Defense Department's involved. And uh, the parents of the captured uh, Americans are worried that... Uh, they will be taken into Russia and executed like a couple of uh, British mercenaries were. And uh, and uh, some are hoping that there can be a prisoner of war exchange between Russian POWs and these two Americans. Uh, uh, Robert uh, Drukey and Andy uh, Huyens, uh, both from Alabama, former military men who went as civilians to fight the cause. Uh, scary. I yeah, there's no protection. You're, up, you're you're basically operating as a free agent at that point. If you go over there, you really don't have any official protections from the United States government. Um, mm-hmm. Because the United States didn't send you. You went there as a mercenary. I, 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 can, yeah. I can't imagine being in the shoes of the parents of these people, probably young men. And right. I Although, bet their situation is fairly dire. Oh, yeah. Although Putin has threatened now... Uh, American soldiers who are evidently training Ukrainian troops outside of Ukraine or giving them instructions or doing something. And Putin is saying uh, America is getting very closely involved in this war in lots of ways besides supplies. But and then Zelensky angered the Chinese, saying uh, we must not allow them to conquer Taiwan. 
and that Russia see or China sees weakness. Uh, if I'm not getting proper equipment and prevailing in this war, China will take that as Western weakness and invade Taiwan. And the and the West has to stop that invasion or get involved if it occurs. And the Chinese are furious about him for that because he's saying. I hope the world responds to Taiwan quickly and more directly than they responded when I was invaded. Uh, so, so let's wow. get, <laughs> As I said earlier, it goes on and on and on. Tom, we have to go. Um, okay. We are out of time, so we will talk to you Thursday. As always, I enjoyed our chat. And uh, we'll, do, we'll do it again later in the week on Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC <laughs> AM and 96.9 FM. About cleaning your nose,